Thank you for joining us here at VLC. Our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. We're starting a new talk in, that's entitled Unshakable. As I begin to think about my content, the Lord was reminding me of, of just taking me, because what I like to do is just kind of sit down and meditate through the scriptures and think about examples that we have throughout the Bible that inspire and challenge us. You understand the Word of God is written for us today. It, it will be, and you know this, progressive in its revelation. The more you see, the more you see. And one of the things, when you follow God's people through the Scriptures, obviously there are those who don't trust Him, who refuse to follow Him. There are those that periodically follow Him, Sound familiar? Many times we're in that same group. Sometimes we won't listen to God. We won't follow God. Other times we will to some degree. As long as we agree with God, we'll, we'll stick with him. But the minute he asks us to do something we don't like, have I got the wrong church today? No, yeah. But here's the thing. The thing that stands out about those that do follow him the thing that you see in their lives is this unshakable, no-quit approach to whatever God asked them to do. They actually, are you crazy? This is crazy, but they actually trust God. Is that a radical thought, to trust God? Yeah, but what if it doesn't make sense? What if God would put you in a situation that was uncomfortable? What if he would lead you in a, you understand when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, you know where he took them, right? Some of them, like, was it the mall? No. <laughs> it was the wilderness. You see, the, in that picture there, that wilderness is simply a proving ground for your faith, for your trust. If everything was always perfect and was cake and ice cream and you, you could eat all the french fries you wanted and not gain a pound. You could, you could be like Andy and you could drink a gallon of sweet tea and not gain an ounce. It makes me just want to pull his beard. <laughs> That's not the real world for most of us, right? I mean, I walk past food and gain weight. It's ridiculous, man. I'm like, no. But when you follow these unshakable people and you see their, their resolve, it comes from one thing, spending time with the Lord in the steady times, in the good times. So that when a challenge shows up, you're, you're not shaken. You don't get off balance. You don't give up. You don't give in and quit. One of my all-time favorite examples of this is Daniel. The thing I love about Daniel, and now I don't like what happened in his life, you understand, let me, and I know many of you know this, but faith comes from hearing, not knowing one time back in the day. But one of the things I love about the life of Daniel, the children of Israel, it was one of their rebellious times, and they weren't following God. And uh, this demonic, narcissistic king named Nebuchadnezzar, they came in and took over Israel. And Daniel finds himself as really, we I would say refugee, but it's more than that. He was actually a prisoner of war. They took him from his country and forced him to be indoctrinated into a new way of living, a new form of government, a, a new life. But Daniel refused to let go of God. He was so unshakable in his journey, and if you follow the, the story of Daniel and the, 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 uh, his friends, the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't move off their faith. They were, they were taken, we, we can't really comprehend this stuff in America, they were taken from their home. I don't think you understand that. We've never experienced anything like that in our lives. And God's hand is on them. And the Bible says that the favor of God was so strong on them that they were ten times brighter, ten times smarter than all the other people that, that was in the land that, that, were, that Nebuchadnezzar was, was putting into these positions. And so Daniel gets advanced. 
and he finds himself in leadership in government. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he loses his mind. He's demon-possessed, you know, and other kings come in. And then finally, the uh, Babylonian Empire falls to the Medo-Persian Empire, and King Darius is on the scene, and he loves Daniel. And he sees the favor of God on Daniel and puts Daniel in charge of everything. And, 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 the re- and you, you'll be able to relate to this today. Because the rest of the politicians, they put a plan together against Daniel to bring him down. Now you can read, stay with me. And they said the only way that we can get to Daniel is if we come against his God and his faith. And so all these other politicians, they call them governors of the land in that time. They go to King, uh, I think, it, is it King Darius or Cyrus? Somebody help me. Thank you. And, and they go to, I, I, knew, I knew when I said it I was wrong, Oscar. It's Cyrus. And so he goes to the king. They tell the king, listen, anybody that comes to any other god, anybody that prays to any other god besides you, they need to be thrown into the lion's den. This was a form of execution. It was a public spectacle is what it was. It was actually in a coliseum. And they would throw them into the lion's den, and people would watch. That was their entertainment. You're talking about some jacked up people. <laughs> oh, let's go watch somebody get ate by a lion. <laughs> oh, I can tell you're cool with that. <laughs> okay. Like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see that on TV all the time. See, that's the problem with TV. We're so diluted to stuff like that, it doesn't even face us anymore. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. So Daniel says, whatever you say, I'm praying to my God. And if you go read the story, his custom was he would open up his windows three times a day and pray to God. And so once the law was signed, the king signed the, the decree, Daniel's like, do what you do, I'm praying. So he, and, and, and you'd think he'd at least keep the windows shut this time. Nope. I mean, the dude has got some boldness about him. Opens up the windows, prays to God, the politicians see it, we got him, they go to the king, they manipulate the king, the king tries to fight it all day, finally he says, well, it is my decree, I got to do it, Daniel. You got to go to the lion's den. And so they throw him in. And the Bible says that the king couldn't sleep all night. He was, because he liked Daniel. Daniel was his favorite. You know, the Joseph principle was working on Daniel. And Joseph's principle is this. The king's land, his business, everything about his government prospered because of Daniel. There are some of you here today, your business is more successful today because you're there. I know you may not like your boss. I know you would probably like to quit, but your business is where it's at today because a person of God is on the scene. And so, yeah, go on. Go on, clap. Yeah. And so Daniel gets tossed in, and, you know, then you read the story. The king shows up early the next morning. Daniel, the God that you serve, did he save you? And Daniel wasn't mad at the king. He said, Long live the king. I'm good. And so the king says, get him out of there and go get all them politicians and their families and throw them in. And the Bible says before their feet hit the bottom of the pit, the the lions attacked. Daniel said, God sent his angel for me. See, the thing about Daniel, though, is his unshakable faith. He had such an expectation of the things that God would do in his life that even taken from his home and forced into this completely different way of life, he didn't waver in who he was. I wonder how many of us would be like that today. I know over the years as I've grown in my relationship with the Lord, I can look back over time. I can tell you there's times that I have, uh, you know, not been as bold as I should have been as uh, a believer because I was in a certain environment, well, I, I, you know, I don't want to offend anybody or, you know, really that was just a cop-out. I, I want people to still like me. And if, I, if they find out I'm a Christian, they may not like me as much. You should probably get over that. Because what will happen is when they do find out you're, you're the real deal, not fake, not only will they like you, they will be drawn to you in time of need. Yeah. See, 
How many of us today, we honestly believe, and, and you need to think about this throughout this week, how many of us honestly believe that God is bigger than whatever we're facing right now? Huh? You actually believe that? Like, like Daniel, you, you've got this, this, this unshakable faith about you, this trust in God. And, 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 and I think that it comes from this divinely inspired hope that God puts in all of us. He's the one that, that stirs this stuff up inside us. One of my favorite statements in the Old Testament is from King David, and he says this, I will pitch my tent in the land of hope. See, David understood something about hope. He goes on to say this, if the Lord, you got to get this one today, if the Lord had not been on my side, I would have been swallowed up by my enemies. See, you need to know that on those difficult days. Because we're all faith giants when things go great. But man, when the, stuff's, when the stuff's real and it's in your face, that's when you need to know that the Lord is on your side. David said this in Psalm 54, Behold God, God is my helper. Amen. Man, if God is your helper, you could say things like David did. He told Goliath, he said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And the young man took out the most powerful military force with a rock. Now, it really was God, but God used a rock. I'm sure when David flung that sling, God's angel went, and it, because it's so, I've been hitting the head with a rock. That may be explaining something. To, <laughs> I'll tell you a real, real quick story. We were little, we were playing down by a creek, and there was a, I don't know if you if you country back in the day. See, back in the day when you was little, you, you didn't stay in the house on a video game all day and get your mind twisted. You went out and played and got dirty. That's a different message. But I'm we're, there's a group of us we're at the creek bait playing. There's a railroad the the, trust, the track goes across the creek, and there's a group of boys up there, and they're older and they're mean, and they start throwing rocks at us. And I get clocked in the head with a rock, and it bounced off my head. I don't know if that's right or not, but the one that hit Goliath didn't bounce. It sunk into his head and killed him. I know some of you say, well, you just hard hit it. Listen, Tracy's told me that for years, yeah. See, we need to know today, I think maybe being hard-headed for Jesus might be an approach that we should embrace in today's world, huh? You see, here's the thing, knowing this truth, though, this is what I want to kind of drive home today about being unshakable. Knowing that God is our helper, that he's on our side, knowing that God is the one that anoints us and empowers us, this is a direct result of our life in him. And when you have this life in him, it, pro it produces this divinely, if you will, fixed expectation. You actually do expect God to be God in your life. And according to the Vines Dictionary, Vines is one of the most recognized and used dictionaries in, from theologians of the Hebrew and the Greek language, which our Bible is translated from. And it says this about this fixed expectation. That is the Bible definition of hope. It is a favorable, fixed, say fixed, expectation. You have this fixed expectation. Nothing shakes you. Nothing moves you. It doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. Nothing's going your way. You're having one of those days. But you have this, this God-inspired hope in your life. Listen to, listen to Paul's prayer in the book of Romans, chapter 15. He says this, May the God of your hope fill you with all joy and peace. Fill you with what? Now, now let's take a second. Can we be honest for a second? How many of you right now can say you are full of joy and peace? You're full of it. Yeah. Some some, some of them, you might say, you're full of something. <laughs> How, but but now, now he, this is a prayer. Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. you got to believe that God's going to fill you with this. See, when everything isn't going right, sometimes the best thing you can do is 
Have a little laugh. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you believe God's on your side? Are you convinced that God's got you? Are you like Daniel that they want you dead so bad that you're going to open up the windows and pray anyway? It goes on to say this, that through the experience of your faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of who? Watch this, that you may abound, that you may be overflowing, that you may be bubbling over. How many of you bubbly? Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that, that's right. Yeah. That you're bubbling over with hope. You ever run into somebody like that? Now, now remember, you got to go to the Bible definition of hope, not today's cultural definition of hope, because that's just simply a, a, an empty wish. You say, well, I sure hope so, but that's nothing more than you just wishing something will happen. Biblical hope, a fixed, confident expectation. You are actually expecting God, just like Daniel, you're expecting God to be God. You see, and here's the thing, guys, as we grow in our faith, as we allow the Holy Spirit to influence our expectations, what happens is we find ourselves becoming more and more solid, more unshakable, if you will, in our faith. When you're believing for something and you don't see the desired result right away, you're like, okay, I guess I'm learning something here, but I'm not moving. I mean, think about it. We would have never had the lion's den story if Daniel was never taken from his home. I mean, now, we could have learned some stuff from Daniel. He could have wrote some sermons, but Daniel was a politician. I don't even know if Daniel would have become a politician in his homeland. But forced into this other situation, God took him and placed him in a hostile situation so that people, you all know that God wants to get the glory in your life. He will. He will. Now, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to my message about Job a couple Wednesday nights, you know, ago called uh, "Caught in a Trap," that song will get in you in a minute, man. You need to go listen to it because we get stuck in the why so often, and we're wondering about that stuff. See, Daniel. He, he, he didn't allow all of the stuff to get him sideways. He stayed solid to what God was doing in his life, trusting God that God had him. And that's the thing that hope does for all of us. This fixed expectation that God's on your side, that God's got you. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen it yet. That's okay. Stay strong. There's a passage in the book of Romans chapter 8, and as we go through this, th this is one of the things I want you to do. If you have, no, no I'm, I, let me take that back. Make the time. All right, Romans chapter 8. Say, I got it. What you got? Romans chapter 8. That's your homework this week. This week. Romans chapter, see, I didn't give you a whole book, just, just one chapter. But Romans 8 is life-changing. For a believer, so let, let me introduce it. We'll kind of dig into this because he's talking about hope in this passage. And in verse 19, he says, for the earnest... This word earnest means a heartfelt, intense, serious expectation. You're not playing games. How many of y'all think Daniel wasn't playing games when they were threatening to throw him in the lion's den? It wasn't like, oh, Lord, I hope they don't throw me in. There wasn't none of that going on. He was moving forward. Yeah? Listen to this. For the earnest expectation, this, this fixed hope of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. What is that all about? Listen to the contemporary English. All creation is eagerly waiting for God to show who his children are. See, this is the thing. This earnest expectation is this God-inspired hope. See, even if, now, now stay with me for a second. Even if humanity refuses to believe in God, they reject God. Many even come against God. Well, that's nothing new. The, the people of Israel have done that for thousands of years. So nothing new under the sun. But what you have to realize is this. is when God made humanity, he put that desire inside them. They may not know about God. They may not believe in God, but they're still God made. 
And because of that, this earnest expectation of hope is inside every human. And he says, Paul says that all of creation, they are eagerly waiting for the sons of God to be manifest, to be made known. And see, here's the, here's the interesting thing that the Lord says about this type of hope, this type of expectation. You know, it's what faith is a spiritual substance of. So you kind of have to take a second to look into your own life and self-evaluate. What are you actually expecting God to do in your life? Because I can tell you over my journey, we get busy. We get successful to some degree, and we think we've accomplished things on our, in our own ability. And I've done that. And we forget that God's the one that brought us to a certain place because... We're walking in the blessing, we're comfortable in the things of God, and sometimes that's what the children of Israel, that's why God told Moses, he said, you tell them, when he brought them into the promised land, he said, you tell them that you take my word, and you put it on your doorpost, and you put it on your gate, and you talk about it when you get up, and you talk about it when you eat, and you talk about it when you go to bed, because if you don't, you'll forget that it was me that did this in your life, and you'll think you're all that. And that's what we continually go through that same cycle and do. Because the enemy is the master of deception. Are you with me on this? See, the interesting thing that you have to understand is this. Maybe we ought to look at it this way. Faith is the spiritual substance of things that we have this fixed expectation on. So find out what that is. Get some, get some, get some expectations and get fixed in on these things. Because when this starts to happen, that's when you begin to manifest as one of God's people. Yeah? See, this, let, let, me, let me read this again, and then I want to give you an example of how God will use people to reveal himself. Remember, all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to be manifested. Yeah? Listen to Paul's words one more time in Romans 15. May the God of your hope so fill you with joy and peace in believing that through your experience of faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be overflowing. You'll be bubbling over. See, the thing is... When you understand this, this scripture, it begins to manifest in our lives when you're hanging out with God and you're getting fixed on these things. See, this is the difference between some religious practice, you all. Y'all okay this morning? Yeah. Because when you just go through the religious rituals of stuff, there's no, there's no real life in that. But when you begin to yield to the things of God, because remember, all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to manifest. Here, let me, let me tell you a story. Y'all okay? Y'all, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway, but I mean. But uh, I was talking with my brother-in-law, Johnny, the other day, and he's telling me this story. Him and Susan, they went to Keeneland one day. Now, I'm talking about the sons of God manifesting who we are. So they're at Keeneland, and you know, Keeneland's, it's, it's busy. It's a beautiful sunny day, and they, they have this bench that they're going to sit on, and there's, there's room for two more people. And so Johnny, he's going to, to get something to, to drink or the bathroom. I don't remember what it was, but he tells Susan, he said, if somebody else, if another couple shows up, invite them to sit with us, all right? Just normal stuff, going about your routine, yeah? But what Johnny doesn't realize and what Susan doesn't understand is God knows that this couple that's getting ready to sit down, he knows that this guy only has two months to live. Yeah. And so he shows up. Johnny comes back. Susan, of course, Susan, she's like Tracy. They, they'll talk to a tree. <laughs> and so they're already best friends at this point. And then if you bring Johnny on the mix, but once Johnny gets here, Susan and Tracy can't talk anymore because Johnny will not stop. <laughs> yeah. And so they get to talking, and the guys, it's a beautiful day, and the guys, Johnny is asking him about how he was doing. He said, man, it's a beautiful day. Today is, it's, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm feeling good. It's a good day. And then he begins to tell Johnny his situation. I got two months to live. And Johnny begins, now, I don't know if you've had any conversations with Johnny, but the, he's pretty laid back about things, and, and, you know, the way he presents the gospel. I love this about him. You know, he doesn't get all preachy and churchy. He says, well, when you get to heaven, look me up. Now, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this is the gist of what he's saying. He says, now, when you get there, don't look for some short, bald guy. Because I'm going to be tall and I'm going to have beautiful hair. 
And the guy says, I don't believe in all that heaven stuff. And this is, this is, what, this is what I love about John. And he says, really? He said, why would you take a chance on that? He said, you got two months to live. Why would you spend the rest of your life trying to defend something that's not even real, that you don't even know about? He said, you got plan A, what I'm telling you, that heaven is real, God is real, he died, or you can go to hell. He probably didn't say go to hell because he was trying to be. But that's the, that's the gist of it. And so he begins to minister to this guy about heaven. And they have this wonderful conversation about it. And the, and the dude, I mean, he left knowing about this. And then because Johnny has, has said unto me long enough, as soon as they left and went on their way, Johnny said, Lord, I sowed the seed. Now send somebody in his life. See, I believe that God, see, Creation is waiting for the sons of God to show up on the scene. Every one of us have opportunities like that. Everyone, you know, I know so often we, we think, God, we're just going to have this big Billy Graham tent revival. No, we're not. We're going to have a one-on-one -on -one revival everywhere you go at Keeneland. With your cocktail. You're witnessing about Jesus. I know some of you religious ones, you're choking. Oh, no, I'd have to hide. No. Let it rip, tater chip. Come on. Because what happens is when you, this is how the kingdom of heaven works. That guy is probably in heaven today because Johnny, a son of God, manifested at Keeneland. That's how it works, you all. I know it's great that you, if you invite somebody to church and they hear the word and they get saved, but 99% of the time, creation is waiting for the sons of God to show up. You know why? Because Romans chapter 8, that's your homework, right? When you get into verse 14, it says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You see, I'm sure that day, Johnny and Susan, they had no intention of being led by the Spirit of God at Keeneland. But then when you're just you, remember this expectation, this thing that's already inside you because you've been transformed. Remember, Romans said that you're bubbling over with this nature. It was just in them. And when the opportunity showed up, the Son of God showed up and manifested in that person's life. That's how it works, y'all. See, I know we want this big, you want this, a lot of us, we read the Bible, we want a, we want a, we want a Daniel moment. I don't want a Daniel moment. I'm just going to be real. Mm -mm. No, I don't want a Daniel moment. Yeah. Can we keep going? All right. I told my team we'd get you out of here early. I'm going to, I think I'll, I'll be able to. Y'all are listening pretty good today, though. Let, let's go back to Romans chapter 8, because the, the next part you see is in verse 28, and it says this. And we know that all things work together for good to those. Now, everybody's quoted this passage. They love this one. When, when bad stuff happens, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he did what? No, no, I need you to go on. I need you to say it out loud. He did what? Okay. Because we need to talk about this for a minute. Because there's a bunch of goofy stuff out there about predestination. Bunch of out of balance, bun, bunch of stuff that's been pulled out of context. You know, there are actually, there's denominations that's built on this principle of predestination. And it has nothing to do with God. Because you have to interpret scripture within the confines of scripture. And if everything is predestined, that word, in the sense that this, some people try to teach it, if everything's predestined, then I don't need to preach to you. Because if you're going south, you're going. You're predestined. Come on, y'all. Huh? If, if you're predestined to be sad and depressed and broke and miserable, then quit fighting it. Quit, trying to, quit working overtime. Huh? Sell your house. Sell your car. You predestined, man. See how ridiculous that sounds when you just interpret the Bible with some common sense? We have to go preach the gospel to people. There is a predestined life. Yeah. 
There's a predestined life that Jesus has paid for you, but you don't have to walk it out. You can turn from God. You can reject God. You don't have to believe in God. For whom he foreknew, he predestined, watch this, this is the key, to be conformed to the image of his son. You're predestined to look like him, to walk like him, act like him. That he might be the firstborn. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but once you move through the Gospels and Jesus is resurrected and he's moved to heaven, when you move into the the letters to the church, you no longer see Jesus as the only begotten anymore. From that point, from the book of Acts to the end, he is referred to as the firstborn. Well, why, why why would they call him firstborn? Why wouldn't they call him the only born? Because if there's a firstborn, there's a, that's, you got it, baby. We are the sons and daughters of God that are to be manifesting the kingdom of heaven on this planet. And sometimes it will require some unshakable faith for you to be able to stand in the middle of that situation, to stand in the fire, to stand in the lion's den. I mean, he slept with lions, right? I know y'all are, I could tell y'all are cool with that, but no. Nah. I don't even like big dogs. Tracy, she's terrified of them, you know. Yeah. Keep going. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Say, I'm called. Turn to your neighbor and say, you too. Yeah, we're called. See, the moment you accept Jesus' sacrifice, you are called. Not to some religious idea. You are called to a new way of life. A predestined life that he's designed for you. Remember what Jeremiah said, don't you, the plans I have for you, they're great, they're wonderful, they're plans of success. What parent doesn't want their kid to be successful? God's the same way with us. Whom he predestined, he called, and who he called, he justified, and who he justified, he glorified. You see, I've been justified. I've been set free. Jesus paid the price for me. And then in verse 31... And I want to switch gears here, and I want to use the message paraphrase because the wording is super cool here. So what do you think? With God on our side, how can we lose? Now, here's the deal. I want you to to listen to me for a second because something I've learned over the years is death is one of those things that haunts all of us. And most people are terrified of it. But death is part of life. And the thing that you have to understand is this. Right now on the planet, almost every two minutes, a human leaves. Um, That's the average number right now on the planet. Every, I'm sorry, not every two minutes, every two seconds, a human leaves. Now, here's what's really crazy. You ready for this? That same principle, there's two being born (laughs) at the same time. My point is this. Death in God's eyes is not the same as it is in ours. The Bible actually says that all, you know, now the Bible says that angels rejoice about one going home. But heaven, if you go to the Psalms, the Bible says that heaven celebrates when a saint comes home. Now, the thing you have to understand about this, we get tore up about it, but if you really knew who it was, I was listening to a statement that, uh, I don't know if you know who Andrew Womack is or not, but if you don't, he will definitely stretch your faith. He's, he's in his uh, 70s, and, and he's, he's like, he's, he said this the other day, he said, at this point in my life, I understand what the Apostle Paul means. He said, it is far better for me if I was to go on home. He said, I'm ready. But, it, then, but he said, but it's to your advantage that I stay. He understood something, you know. See, that's the thing. When you begin to realize death, even though it is the enemy of God right now, because it, it is a tool that Satan has used in the beginning to destroy, it is our passage to immortality. Paul says, we'll put on our new immortal bodies. Yeah, he says, and I love that when you begin to think about those things. So don't let the things of this world get you sidetracked when everything doesn't go perfect. 
I remember listening to a story that uh, a gentleman told years ago. He would, he'd been in prison for years, and, and he'd gotten saved in prison. Now he, he was out, and he was sharing the gospel and preaching all over the place. And one night he was in some, some uh, crime-infested you know, city, and he got mugged. And the guy pulled a gun on him. And he said he grabbed the barrel of the gun and pulled it into his chest. He said, I know the Lord. Pull the trigger. Do you? And the Holy Spirit fell on the scene, and the dude dropped the weapon, and he led him to the Lord. I, oh, oh, yeah, you clapping today. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would. See, when you understand perspective, I know that, that's, that's a hard statement, though, isn't it? Yeah. So what do you think? With God on our side, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? See, this is the thing. God sent his son to this planet to take on humanity, and having become a human, Philippians lets us know he stayed human. Well, you know what comes with humanity, don't you? Free will. So the moment Jesus left his deity and his omniscience and his omnipresence, his omnipotence, he left all of that and became a human. At that point, he had free will, and he could have easily said, nah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that cross thing, Lord. Remember the garden? God, is there any other way? And Jesus said, and if you can't find another way, I need you to make another way. No, he didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm just testing y'all. He didn't say that. What did, somebody tell me, what did he say? If not my will. In other words, he had his own will, and he said, not mine. No, I'm not. We're going to do it your way, God. If it's the cross, then it's the cross. You know what, what will help us more than anything in this, in this journey of faith, in us getting to the place where we become these unshakable believers? It's being around other believers. You've heard now, now obviously we need to go into the world, but man, you need to hang around people of faith. You've heard me say this for years. We need faith friends. You need to hang around people that's going to talk faith. Huh? You need, to, you, you need to on purpose get around somebody that's going to inspire you. Yeah, but they're not even fun. They're always wanting to talk about the Bible. You don't know fun yet. You get to the place where you're walking out the Bible, the Bible's fun. Yeah. See, religion has painted this picture that you can't have any fun. Well, I, I assure you, I don't know if you know my, my brother-in-law very much, but if him, and, if him and Susan was at Keeneland, I promise you they was having fun. And especially if they was winning money. You know? I know some of y'all that's been choked up in religion like, oh, Pastor, I can't believe you're talking about Keeneland. And <laughs> we live in the heart of Kentucky. Keeneland is a real thing. Horses, listen, you better get over yourself for a minute. Huh? Some of y'all in the horse business. Yeah, I know. Man, I'll tell you, that religious spirit, it'll raise up in a minute just like that. Like, shh, you, should, you shouldn't. Our pastor, are you endorsing? No, I'm, listen, I'm talking about my brother-in-law having fun, and he saved somebody's life that day. All right? If all you heard was Keeneland and partying or whatever, then you, you, you need to get on your face before the Lord, man. See, God wants us at a place where we are unshakable in who we are, and we are confident in who we are as people of God. See, a place where we have this no-quit kind of attitude. And the thing is that we want to inspire other people. You should, you should be confident about, I can't, when, when I'm out somewhere, when I'm hanging out around with different people, I love it when they bring up the Lord. I don't get it all the time because, unfortunately, preachers get this label about them. Oh, you're the preacher. You better hide the wine. <laughs> Why y'all laughing at that? Too many of y'all know that song. <laughs> oh, well, he's the preacher. You better don't, come. Come on now. We get this bad rap because we're the preacher, like like we're the judge and the convictor and the we all of that and sinner. <laughs> Where'd that image come from? Is what I want to know. Listen, guys. 
Paul said, I have become all things to all men. Now, he didn't become all things to the point of sinning like other people, but he would go where they were. See, God wants us at a place like this, and we have this unshakable confidence, this fixed expectation about us that if God be for us, who can be against us? We have to make room in our thinking for the Holy Spirit to do this. Remember, all of creation, they are waiting for the sons of God to show up. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, let's not, get, let's not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. This is the Amplified. For in due time, at the appointed season, we shall reap if we don't loosen and relax our courage and faint and quit. Don't give up. Let the Holy Spirit stir this resolve in you that you become this unshakable person of faith for God. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you have to have the Bible memorized and you have to quote Scripture every time. You know, I don't even know if Johnny used a Scripture that day with this man. He just talked about heaven. See, God will take it from there, man, once you sow the seed. But we have to have this kind of fixed resolve about us. I did a series, man, I don't know. Paul, I, I guessed when I wrote it, I guessed 10 years. It may have been longer than that. But I did this series years ago called Semper Fi. Now, Semper Fi, it's from the Latin word Semper Fidelis, and it means this, always faithful. It is a slogan, but not just a slogan. It is, it is really the heartbeat of what a Marine is. And here's the thing. If you ask any Marine, they'll be quick to tell you that Semper Fi, it's not just some company slogan. See, you see, a Marine, they actually know why they believe what they believe. And, and the thing is, to them, it's not just some phrase. Semper Fi serves as a memorial of their transformation. You ever heard this phrase? Once a Marine? Huh. What happened? There was a transformation that took place. You see, and, and one of the most important things that I found out about that phrase, Semper Fi, is this. That it is not just that they're not just always faithful to the cause but to each other. They're faithful through and through to one another. They have this fixed expectation of who they are. That when they're sent on a mission, they're together as one. Man, if the church could get a hold of this revelation. I want you to, that music's playing, that means that I got to wrap this up. But uh, Can, can y'all give me just a couple minutes? You okay? All right. I mean, I'm still early, right? Yeah, okay. Listen, I want you to listen to Paul's words in 2 Timothy. And he's talking to this young disciple. And he says this in chapter 2. Timothy, my dear, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now you, you teach these truths to other, watch this, trustworthy, reliable, faithful people who will be able to pass them on to the next one. See, as Johnny was telling me the story about him sharing on this at Keeneland that day, he said, man, that stuff is just stuff that I heard you say over the years, and it just started coming out of me. See, I pass it on to you, and then you go out into the world and you pass it on. But then Paul makes this radical statement. He says to Timothy, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier why in the world would Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit relate our mission as a disciple to a good soldier you see when you look at the life of a soldier they're trained differently when you look at the life of a police officer, they're trained differently. Their training is intense and on purpose for a reason, so that when you find them, when you find, you know, when they find themselves in that situation, they're not responding out of emotion or out of anxiety or fear. No, they've been trained. As a good soldier, 
Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For if they do, they can't please the officer who enlisted them. I remember years ago, I don't know if the city still does it, but they did this. They, they used to do the Citizens Police Academy. They still do it? And I took it. And it was one of, I, I want to tell you, all, all, all of these cities that have these knucklehead leaders that want to defund the police. Can I, I got one, one word for you. That is stupid. That's it. That's stupid. And if you think that way, well, then you need to have a conversation with me because you might have some issues. Defund the police. Yeah, I'd like to go take a group. Anyway, <laughs> I got sidetracked real quick there. Citizens Police Academy. So I go through this training, and they give you just a little nugget of what a police officer has to go through. And so we're doing this simulation drill. And you and you got you got your weapon and you're you're an on-duty police officer. And and I I'm on call at this scene and my heart this is fake. And my heart rate is I, I'm I'm just like I'm breathing hard. I'm my partner is supposed to be coming around the back of the house. I'm already in the house on the scene. It's a domestic violence case, and there's a dude sitting on the couch with a weapon under his leg. And I'm tore up, and I'm, and I'm trying to talk this guy down because he's been physically abusive, and the, the wife is over here screaming, and, and it's just like, ah. I know y'all think, you know, well, the cop gave me a ticket. I'm mad at him. Well, you shouldn't have been speeding. It's real simple. Because what, what, what you don't understand, every time they stop a car, they don't, know you're, they don't know you're a mom with two kids in the back, and you were speeding, and you're okay with the ticket. They don't know that. Why am I on this stuff? My point is this, I shot a guy. Now, praise God, it was fake. My point is, when these people go through this training, here, here's what they, at, at the end of our course, here's what they told us. And I, to this day, I do it. Every time I go past an officer that's got somebody pulled over, I slow down and check to make sure he's Okay. Those people are crazy, man. Keep an eye out for them. It's getting more and more difficult, you know, for somebody to even want to be one anymore because nobody respects the office that they stand in. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, that all came about because of Semper Fi and a certain type of training and us being a good soldier and not yielding to stuff. Did, did you know that God wants us to have that kind of approach to our discipleship? See, it's interesting that Paul uses that example because a soldier, they display a certain type of fixed expectation. They, they know what to do in a situation when things are crazy. They're committed to the cause. Are we committed today? Are we at a place where we can say that we are unshakable in our faith? See, the reason that their training is so intense, and, I, and I'll wrap things up with this. Like, man, you went on a crazy side journey there. I know, but it'll help some of y'all. The reason their training is so intense, guys, and the reason Paul references Timothy and us that we should be like a good soldier is because every one of us in this room, every one of you all listening and watching, we will be loyal to the conclusions that, are, that we come to in our mind. You will be. You'll be loyal to that. Whatever your training is, whatever your expectations are, you will be loyal to those things. And so it's up to us to get that dialed in and get it straight. That's why uh, the prophet Isaiah says, get your thoughts fixed on him. Huh? King Solomon said it like this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The apostle Paul said it like this, set your mind on heavenly things. You check it out. You think about anything long enough, it begins to influence your decisions. So today, I want, to, I want to leave you with this thought today. All of creation is waiting on the sons of God to manifest. And whether it be at Keeneland or it be at Walmart or the ball field, be ready. Like a good soldier, be fixed on who you are. Don't waver. Be unshakable in your faith. 
See, sometimes this takes, remember we talked about the Marine, there's a transformation that takes place. When you, sh when you show up at camp in the very beginning, you may not be all that. But when you leave and, and they, they put that title on you, Marine, that means something. See, God needs people with that approach in this world today. You know who you are. You are unshakable in your faith. You are now, now understand, you are bubbling over with this hope that God has inside you. What did he say? Full of joy and what? Peace. Because when you display this type of character, people are going to be drawn to you. And they're going to want to listen to what you have to say because you are a son or daughter of God. Amen? Now, here's the deal. If you're in the room today and you're not a son or daughter of God, today's your day, man. You picked today to come to heaven. I don't know if I like your style of preaching. That's okay. We, you don't have to be a part of this church. Matter of fact, we'll help you find a church if you don't like us. That's cool. But you're here today, so don't you leave this place without Jesus. All right? You listening or watching, pay attention to me. That thought rolling around in the back of your head, that's Jesus knocking on your heart. So let's, let's take care of this. We've made it so simple. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord, and Paul says it like this in Romans, you will be saved. So say the prayer with us. You all in, the in church, let's, let's all pray it together, those of you listening or watching. Lord Jesus, come into my life and make me new. And from this day forward, Jesus is my Lord, heaven is my home, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're in the room and you said it, Stop by our information desk. We got a gift for you, kind of help you with your journey of faith. Those of you listening, watching, man, you got to tell somebody the greatest thing in your life just happened. You belong to eternity now. You're part of the family of God. And so from this day, as you all leave here, ask the Lord. Now, what, what's your homework? Romans 8. Okay. So as you're in Romans 8 this week, ask the Lord to give you some opportunities to be the sons of God, the daughters of God that manifest in your circle of influence. Amen. Man, we love you guys. Have an awesome week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.